This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So Berkshire Hathaway had its annual meeting this last weekend. And you know what that means? That means we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about Warren Buffett, his investing styles, and all those good things, because so much comes out of this meeting now. Because as he's gotten older, Warren Buffett has decided to share his wisdom with the world as much as possible. And that means he's doing multiple rounds of interviews now. Um, I saw him not just on his usual CNBC interviews, but he was also on Yahoo Finance for quite a long time. They had a documentary on CNBC about him, and they're now putting the Berkshire Hathaway meeting on live television. So you could watch for hours over the weekend, and I'm sure many of you did like I did. But there's a lot of takeaways we always get from these meetings, which is his point. And I thought we'd talk about one today. So the media has been going gaga since the meeting and the reveal that Berkshire Hathaway has bought even more Apple. So Apple's now its largest position. And if you recall, Buffett first started buying it in just 2016. (laughs) So that was just two years ago. He's finally in on the Apple story. But Apple had been a value stock for years before that. It was trading, you know, I think something like nine times for a while there, certainly in the low teens. So it's not surprising that he finally ended up in it, but it is kind of surprising that it was so late. So he bought in the first quarter of 2016, And we don't know the exact dates. It was multiple, multiple dates in that quarter to buy the bigger positions. But let's just say you bought on the first trading day on January 2nd, 2016. Or let's say you bought then too. So I went back to see how well he's done. And you would be up 91.8% if you had bought on that day. So nearly doubling your money. That's not too shabby, obviously. But Apple wasn't the only new holding he bought in 2016. It's just getting all the limelight and all the glory Um, He also bought all those airline stocks. Remember that? He bought Southwest, Delta, United, and American. Now, I'm kind of like laughing as I'm saying this because no one wants to remember that he bought the airlines because he's always been against the airlines. So it was strange when he bought them. He bought them in the fourth quarter, though, not in the first quarter like he did Apple. But I took a look at uh, at least one of them to see how those were doing. And I looked at Southwest because that's the one I'm most familiar with. And um, again, since he bought in the fourth quarter, he would have bought multiple times then. But I just looked at the first trading day of the quarter and shares are up 37.2% in that time. And that beats the S&P 500's return of just 24%. So he's not doing too bad with at least Southwest Airlines either. But we know he mostly sold out of his IBM position, though. Um, And that's the one where he said it just wasn't going where he thought it would. And the company wasn't headed in the direction that he liked. So he's mostly out of that. That was his first tech foray. And now that's done. So why am I bringing up some of these stock investments? Because I want to remind you that it's not just about Apple in his portfolio, obviously, but they're emphasizing this one big winner that he has right now. And um, obviously there's a lot of headlines about, oh, how rich you would have gotten if you'd only done what Buffett had done and bought Apple. 
Um, but there's really nothing about his other stock investments. Some would have done well, like Southwest, and others would not. You probably would have had a loss on like IBM. So it's something to keep in mind that sometimes the focus gets only on the winners and not everything else. Now, what about his comments that he made about Amazon and Google? I don't know if you heard about those, but those were big in the headlines too, because anything having to do with the fang, of course, is um, always a headline. And he said he made the wrong decisions about those two companies like back in the day. He said in the past he's always admired Jeff Bezos and that he underestimated him. So that's why he didn't buy into Amazon. Um, He also didn't apparently use Google, so wasn't aware of what that even was until Bill Gates kind of showed him like what Google slash Alphabet, uh, as it's now called, is really all about. So I guess we can refer from that that maybe he's not watching YouTube videos either, but um, I don't know that for sure. And then he also said stupidity, that was his quote, stupidity, kept him out of Microsoft over the years. But If he's going to be completely honest, it really wasn't any of those reasons that he didn't buy these stocks. It was really something else. And he made mention of it at the annual meeting, but most people probably missed it. So I have his quote here. He said, I made the mistake in not being able to come to a conclusion where I really felt that at the present prices that the prospects were far better than the prices indicated. What? What? What the heck does that mean? Um, I know it sounds complicated, so I'll break it down. He basically made a mistake when he concluded that the price he was going to have to pay for Amazon and Google um, was too high and that he didn't think in the future it could keep growing the way it has and that it could justify the price. So basically, again, in even shortening it further, they were overvalued. They were overpriced. They weren't value stocks so he couldn't go into them but that's really what it boils down to is that um, you know the press goes crazy about oh he missed it he missed this great trade but really it was never in his wheelhouse they were simply weren't values so the fang stocks all of them have been expensive growth stocks mostly since their ipos there's been a few instances where you could have gotten them um, slightly cheaper but the companies were a lot different when they were cheaper so amazon for instance got cheaper after the dot-com bust really cheap um almost nobody was buying it It was down to what like seven dollars or something but it was barely surviving then it was not what we know today it didn't have aws it didn't have distribution facilities didn't have 50,000 employees in Seattle and looking for a second headquarters. None of this was happening. So it's unlikely he would have been very interested in this online bookseller and, you know, online seller. They were selling some other goods by that point, but they didn't even have the Kindle yet, I don't think, by after the dot-com bus. No, I think that came a little later. So um, very, very different. And then Google has also been cheaper amongst the fangs. And several times you could get a PE that was slightly lower, but it was still above a value range. It would it was above, say, 17 or 18 times. And it's basically been above that for most of the last decade. Um, again, there might have been one or two times, maybe even during the crisis, 2008, 2009, when you could have gotten it much cheaper, but you got everything much cheaper back then. So Buffett went in and bought his typical value stocks at that time, which were obviously the banks. That was a big um, buys of his back then. So 
Buffett has value investing principles that he doesn't really stray from. And those have made him rich. They've made him a billionaire and one of the greatest investors of our time. But you don't have to invest quite so strictly. I've talked about this on past value investor podcasts, whether or not value investors can buy the fang. And I said, yes, I said you could. For example, I've been a um, value investor for forever but it's predominantly a value investor. I haven't bought strictly value as Warren Buffett does. I have bought some gross stocks, mostly when they've sold off at some point. Um, I try to get them as cheap as possible, but I do recognize that the gross story is tremendous with many of these, and I do want to own it. So I own Amazon and Alphabet in my own portfolio, but I only bought Alphabet slash Google, um, as I like to call it, just about a year ago or so when the shares had dipped and they were trading in the low 20s then with a P in the low 20s. And I really like what they're doing with YouTube and some of their other businesses. So I decided to buy that one. Um, but on a classic value metric, Google wasn't cheap when I bought it. But compared to its FANG peers at that time, I did find value in it. And it now trades with a forward P of 26. So it's a little more expensive now. But that's what I encouraged in my last podcast on the fangs with value investing. That's what I encourage you to do is to find the value amongst the fang companies with their peers and, you know, try to head into some of those. So what's a value investor to do if it wants some of the supercharged FANG in the portfolio? Well, let's take a look at what are the cheapest of the FANGs right now. Apple is the cheapest. It has a forward PE now of 16.2. So it's not even as cheap as it used to be. And now that it's at 16 times, it's a little over the classic value metric I use of 15 times. But as I said, for about a almost a decade, it's it's been much cheaper. So it was a value stock there for a long time. So I took a look at Facebook, which I also own, and that is trading at 23 times now with some of its issues with the privacy and all of that. The shares did pull back, but have rallied again. But those estimates have gone up. Used to trade around 29 times. So again, it's a little bit cheaper than it used to be. Google, like I said, is at 26 times. Um, Netflix, the ends, or we can say Netflix and NVIDIA, Netflix is at 112 times. So that's among the more expensive of the fangs. NVIDIA is currently 35 to 40 times, but it hasn't reported earnings yet and it will be soon. Amazon is 132 times now, um, which is actually much better than it used to trade at. It used to be 350 times, and that's before it really got the AWS revving up and really increased those earnings. So all of these companies, as we know, have tremendous revenue and earnings growth. That's why Buffett was gushing about Apple, because it's been a long time, I think he would admit, in his career since he's seen a company like Apple that's just able to generate that enormous uh, cash flow. That's also what he admires and why he kicks himself that he wasn't able to get into Alphabet or um, Amazon because he's watching kind of what they're doing, although um, Alphabet has much better um, cash flow than Amazon. But yeah, he he's he's aware that these companies are crushing it. <laughs> so that's what I... Um, tell investors to do. Put some of your money into the growth names. Don't be um, the one trick pony necessarily. 
because nothing is saying you can't. You don't have a mandate. You're not running a hedge fund that's a value hedge fund of some sort or a mutual fund that has this requirement that you can only be in value stocks. You're not running an ETF that is the same where you're limited. So, you know, bust out of the value with a small part of your portfolio. Um, and I think you'll have more fun with your investments if you do that. And you can still obviously be on the value investing side. So every month in my value investor portfolio, I'm finding outstanding stocks that are the classic value stocks. And as we know, the classic values are those with low pegs, um, the good PE, price to books, and the high exacts rank. I always add that on there. And I decided to plug in all the classic requirements into a screen this week in honor of Berkshire Hathaway's annual meeting to see what is in uh, there right now. And I added the ranks of one, the strong buy, and the two of the buy because I wanted those rising earnings estimates because, you know, if I'm going to buy the value stocks, I might as well buy the best ones that are out there. And I used the PE under 15, I used a PEG under one so that there I would get some growth there if I use the PEG. The price to book is under three and the price to sales is under one. And combining it with that X rank, I'm going to tell you it's going to be really narrow because that's a lot of fundamentals to screen for with the, with the good Zach's rank. And I got just 13 stacks, but there are 13 that fit into this requirement. So um, I took a look at them and I picked out two that I feel are classic value stocks that you might want to keep on your list and watch and do a little more research on. So the first one is China Life Insurance and that ticker is LFC. And I know what you're thinking, Tracy, why are you giving us a, a Chinese stock? Because I'm not a big fan of the Chinese stocks, as you all know, and I only own one in my own portfolio. But at the Berkshire meeting and on subsequent interviews, Charlie Munger um, talked a lot about the Chinese stocks. And he said that a couple of years ago, he put a big chunk of his personal portfolio into Chinese stocks because they were much cheaper and he sees a lot of opportunity there. So I decided to include the one that is in this list, the screen of 13 stocks here, which is China Life. And this is a $78 billion market cap company, so it's not small. It is life insurance, as you can imagine from the name. And it has a P of 13.1, the PEG is 0.5, but because it's a foreign company, there's not many analysts covering it. We just have one analyst, <laughs> one estimate at least in um, Zax.com. So you're going to have to do your homework on this one or on any foreign company, but you need to go and find out as much as you can about it. Listen to those conference calls if they have them in English and try to find out what's going on. That's my advice. Um, that is something I kind of have an, an argument with, with Charlie Munger just saying like, oh, I put all my money into China and all that. Well, it might be easy for him to figure out what's going on over there. But as we know, it's not that easy for us sitting over here on the other side of the ocean to know what's really happening inside these companies. So that's just a little caution there. But China Life does fit the classic value um, parameters. And then a second company is Jacobs Engineering Group. And this ticker is JEC. And they just merged with CH2M. And they now have 77,000 employees. So they're pretty massive. They just reported their earnings. And it was a good quarter. The building infrastructure and advanced facilities 
boosted them for the quarter, but they're seeing a rebound in areas like energy as more construction and engineering is required in that area. So some of those cyclical areas are starting to boost up. They did raise full year earnings guidance. So I I like that. PE is just 14.1 and they have the peg of a one. So their earnings estimates are going to change a bit here because they just reported. Oh, um, China Life too, by the way, hasn't reported yet. It's reporting on May 10th if you're listening to this. So your chance to tune in there is still to come. But Jacobs just reported and they had a pretty solid quarter there. So these are just two classic value stacks that are out there. You can also enhance a portfolio. So say you're buying some of the fangs, but you want a chunk of value in there. You can buy the small cap value stocks. That's the area I love and that has historically outperformed. So ETFs are a great way to get that kind of diversity because, you know, as I've said in the past, it's really hard to go out there and buy like 20 small cap value stocks. It's hard to figure out which ones you should buy. And that's a little more risky because the small caps are more volatile and riskier. So the ETF is a good way to go. You might want to look at the Spider S&P 600 small cap value. It's S-L-Y-V is the ticker. They have an expense ratio of just 0.15%. And as always, you want to keep that expense ratio you know, as low as you can. Um, but I... I recommend that one. There's several others you can also look at, including the Vanguard, but the Vanguard one has a lot of growth in it too. That ticker is VBR, and I own that one in my own personal portfolio. But um, also in full full disclosure, as I said, I own Facebook, Google, and Amazon in my portfolio too, because like I said, just because you love value investing and you like to buy buy those value stocks doesn't mean you're restricted from ever buying the growth. And I think Buffett, even though he sticks with his mandate, his mandate has worked and his mandate allowed him to buy into Apple. So there are occasions when these big growth companies can get cheap enough. But for the rest of us, you might want to take a dip of uh, part of your portfolio into some of these growth stocks. It's not going to hurt you, obviously. And you can still buy your favorite value stocks on the side, which is what I like to do. So you're not betraying your value fundamentals by dipping a little into growth there. But let's recap some of these tickers. Um, Apple, again, is the cheapest of the FANG value stocks and is close to being a value. It's right around the value level right now. And Berkshire Hathaway is still buying more shares in it. It's AAPL. Alphabet is G-O-O-G-L and Amazon A-M-Z-N, as we all know. China Life is LFC. Jacobs is J-E-C. And then the small cap value ETF is SLYV. So those are just a few ideas that we got from the Berkshire Hathaway meeting. There was more going on. I'll probably be covering it because I tend to cover Buffett a lot these days because he's talking up a storm and it's always interesting to hear what he has to say. So to catch all of our podcasts and everything that we're covering here with Value Stocks, Be sure to subscribe. We're on Spotify, and I know that some of you are listening over there because I've seen some of the metrics now coming out of Spotify. So you are finding us there, but you can subscribe at Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, That's under the Zach's Market Edge on SoundCloud, but you can also get us on 
Apple Podcasts or iTunes under the Value Investor Podcast over there. We have our own standalone show because value is important and coming back. So we're our own standalone, but get us somewhere so you don't miss an episode. And I'll see you again next time. 